Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast, Law is Rising. I am Sabertooth, and with me is Kizu. I'm a professional NFT collector, and Kizu is a professional art critic. On this podcast, we talk deeply about the business of creating, collecting, and analyzing NFTs. So if you're a creator or collector of NFTs, or you want to be, jump in. The water is warm. Welcome, everyone, to The Floor is Rising. Today, we have a special guest, Crypto Yuno. She is an OG NFT artist. She came from the traditional art world, uh, and then she transitioned into crypto art. Welcome, Yuno. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Tell us, how did you get into crypto art, NFTs? I first started in crypto. It started in 2018. My husband and I had always known about Bitcoin, but we really didn't pay too much attention to it because we weren't really sure about it. When Bitcoin started mooning and everyone was watching it, we had some money in savings. And he said, you know, maybe we should take a chance and get into this and see, you know, and just know that we could lose it all or we could gain some money. We had $600 in savings. And we wanted the most for our money. We were so new. We had no idea about bears and bulls in the market. We had no clue. So we bought Litcoin. And literally the day after we bought it, everything started to crash. <laughs> it all went downhill. A very <laughs> we got story. wrecked. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. We bought high and it all just fell through the floor. And my husband's like, you know what? I'm not that's too volatile. I'm not in this anymore. I don't want any part of crypto. You can do what you want with it. And so I did. I started to try and learn. I got on Twitter because that seemed the most like, you know, up-to-date news you could get from people and what they were talking about. And it helped me a lot to learn what to look for, what to watch. I started reading white papers on Chainlink. I looked at, you know, Polygon and VeChain and all these things. I eventually sold the Litcoin and my husband's like, why'd you sell it? It'll come back up. And it never did. I was like, no, 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 no. We're going a different direction. (laughs) And so um, during that time period in my feed was a tweet by Robness official and it had the hashtag and I wasn't following him, but it had the hashtag of crypto art and NFT. That was a new term for me. I'd never heard of crypto art. And I was like, well, what is this? Cause I'm an artist. You know, here's crypto, here's art that really piqued my interest. And I'd never heard the term NFT. I didn't know what it was. So I started pretty much stalking his Twitter feed, trying to learn, like, what are you talking about? And um, realized that there was platforms where you could list your artwork and get paid in crypto. I thought that was fantastic. I just suddenly like a light bulb went off moment. And I was like, I can be at home. I can make my art and I can earn crypto doing it. Win, win, win. And so that's how I got into NFTs. You know, you've made a quite a a wide variety of work. Could you tell us a little bit more about how you arrived at that? Was that something that can be traced to your practice prior to getting into NFTs? Or is it something that you kind of honed and refined uh, after you got onto this new medium? It was absolutely after I got into digital and honed and refined that because I came from self-taught artist. I started in acrylics and I just couldn't get that medium to do what I wanted it to do. I really, really wanted to be able to paint realism. 
I love realism. I just love that skill. And so I just started learning from YouTube, like we all do. And I taught myself how to paint. And um, I started going to shows and fairs and traveling and really, you know, eventually trying to sell my work, which I did. And I was in shops and things like that. And on oil painters forums, I got very into oil painting. I love it. You know, it's got such an open time. And I really enjoyed that. So when I first got into NFTs, I thought I'm going to sell my oil paintings, you know, on here. That just, I was too early to be able to be successful doing that. I I realized very quickly, this is not what people are looking for. They wanted the vaporware, photomoshed, glitchy gifts, and just the crazier, the better. And I, that was kind of hard to transition because I really had to rethink art and rethink, you know, where I was going to take it in NFTs and what was appealing to people in that community. And so I had to learn digital. I just got an iPad with a stylus and I downloaded Procreate and I just started teaching myself this new medium. And I wanted to get with other artists you know, it's so good to have workshops and bounce ideas off of each other and, you know, see what other people are using in the real art world, the physical art world. I wanted that for the digital. So I got on Telegram and started a group and I I just wanted to pick people's brains because I wanted to get up to speed quickly. And I found a community and uh, we all became friends and we were all just, you know, talking back and forth, talking about platforms, sharing our real lives on Telegram and and became this little core group of friends that eventually became the trash art group. And um, my style now, I'm, I get really almost bored with something or really enthusiastic with something. I'm a little OCD, so I'll run with something for a while and then just suddenly switch gears. So in the beginning, everybody's like, you need to have a signature style. And I was like, that's so not me. I just can't do that. You know, I felt kind of boxed in, but as I developed my own way of doing things, it has eventually come where I do have a recognizable style. It just kind of happened overnight with the anatomy shapes. That's where that started. And I didn't launch it very well on OpenSea, you know, still learning. You still learn so much on pricing or additions and things like that. So I've learned and taught myself every step of the way of how to do this in NFTs and be successful. And I'm still learning, but now I can really see the benefits of having collectors be able to immediately recognize your work. They love that. And I've grown to love it. I've grown to see, you know, this isn't really boxing me in. This is something I enjoy. And you've got to pick something that you really love to do over and over and over again. When you refer to sort of trash art, it's more like just this collective of people who were part of crypto art slash nfts in in the very early days before sort of the mainstream attention came to it and, and you see that as more of what it what it means versus a particular aesthetic because as you said you i mean w- would you still define yourself as your aesthetic as a, as a trash art aesthetic or my art isn't trash art anymore trash art was very distinct for the time period and it was this core group of friends And it started with one of our friends, you know, Rob, getting kicked off super rare for a toter being photo moshed and people thinking that this was 
undervaluing NFTs and it came down to what is art and and we just felt that's so unfair. We were already being told we weren't good enough to be on certain platforms, you know, and it was hurtful. We were called, you know, trolley artists or, you know, just trash artists or unworthy, basically. And especially if you were on Rarible, because that was the most open platform. It's what you, where you could start. And we all had artist backgrounds. I myself was a traditional oil, oil painter. Jay DeLay has been in galleries and taught art. And, you know, Mo, she's a film editor and things like that on major films and overseas and stuff. So it was really hurtful words to be called. You're not an artist. And we kind of had enough of that and being treated that way. And we weren't going to take it anymore. And at the same time, it was stressful. So we made a lot of laughs and a lot of the trash art you see back then, like even just like some of the stuff I posted or minted was just funny. It was just to make your friends laugh. It was an inside joke. We were all joking back and forth. And as soon as we thought it was funny, we minted it. And then our friends would take it and, you know, somebody would remix it to make it even funnier. And so that's how that started and grew. It was like a little outlet. The one thing I think was very notable for me was the Graffiti Queens exhibition that you put together. Mm-hmm. All female artists on Decentraland and sponsored by Polygon. Could you talk a little bit about that experience and whether you found that there were any commonalities among, I mean, obviously it was a big group of artists. What what was your kind of main insight in putting together that exhibition of all female artists? So I have to kind of go back a little bit before that exhibition came about with feeling like a minority as far as being a woman in the space and wanting to find the other women that were NFT artists and know them and relate to them on levels like a female in the space, a mother, you know, trying to do creative things full-time, raise a family. And I wanted those connections. So I reached out and Stina Jones and Sparrow said, we're making a little small group on Twitter, a private group, when we're going to start inviting all the females and let's find everybody. And so I was like, yeah, let's do that. So there's like three of us in there. And then Angie Taylor had already made a list quite a while before that of female artists. We started inviting them all. And that's how WOCA, the women of crypto art came about. We formed that. We built, you know, we did the first all female art exhibition within two weeks of that in crypto voxels called she art. And Angie Taylor hosted that in the London gallery. And it was really fun. And then, you know, Wilkos kept growing. Well, I had gotten to know the Graffiti Kings after that and during this time period and really hit it off with them. Love Darren Cullen. He's just a great person to work with. And he asked me in a DM, he said, do you think there would be enough women that would want to do an exhibition, an all-female exhibition? Would you like to head that up? And I'll having a skate park gallery launching in Decentraland, they're building us. And I would like to do a show there. I was just like, you have no idea how many women, I knew everyone would want to be involved. I knew all of them. So I said, how many artists do you want? He goes, let's not put a number on it. Let's just make it open and we'll find places. And that was just wonderful. It was like freedom. Suddenly we didn't have to worry about that. He said, no rules. And I was all about that, you know, no rules. It didn't matter the art. 
identify as female, just build it and we'll make it happen. So I started inviting everybody. I went to WOCA. They all joined in and helped. It wasn't just a one person. I even went to Polygon because I had known some of the um, the people behind that and they had spaces. I was looking for gallery spaces because we were growing crazy big and they had one and they're like, sure. Yeah, let's, uh, we'll support that. We'll, you know, be a part of that. And so that's kind of where that sponsorship came in. It wasn't funds. It was providing a space for the women and things. So we had Eventually, it had to go over two weekends because Polygon's space bogged down and and women's work weren't getting shown. And I didn't feel good about that. I was like, that's not fair to so many where I put them. You know, the ones that couldn't be in the skate park were put in other galleries. And I just wanted their work shown. Everybody had worked so hard. And so I said, we're going for the second weekend and we're going to find more gallery spaces and every single woman's work is going to get out there. And in the end, we had nine galleries total with over 300 works. And we were featured in NBC News for it. And it was so much fun. The Graffiti Kings had their radio station playing. Everybody was in Decentraland running around to all these galleries to see the work. The women were excited. And in the end, it came out just perfect. It was really fun. And we're going to do it again. I think we're going to do it um, as an annual event and just make it bigger and better every time. I want to... You know, ask you about your PFP project. Was that something that you, you've kind of always wanted to do? What was your thinking like when you sort of had the idea to, to do that? I started with the art. And once I finished one of them, I was like, I could really do something with this and change it up. And I could make these little characters. And, you know, my kids are constantly listening to what's going on in the art world with me and stuff. And I was like, they want, they want to know, are you, mommy, are you going to build a game? Are you going to do this? And I wanted to do something. And so I started asking them, well, what do you like about stories and games and what's the most appealing? And so they told me, you know, they like the little adventures. They like the reason for it. And they want to know why they're playing it and stuff. And so I initially thought, well, maybe I can make a game out of this. And it turned into the PFP instead. And it's got a little story with it. And I just love the characters, you know, and the idea that people could keep building on that story with their own avatar, whatever one they get. And um, it's just something fun and cute. And I always want to push the boundary. I don't want to limit myself in this space. NFTs are so big. You can literally do anything with them. You know, you could go in all kinds of directions. If you want to be an e-luxury brand, you can build it. And I saw, you know, some of the other projects taking off and I'm like, I didn't like the artwork. Honestly, I did just didn't like it. And I'm like, why aren't artists doing this? And then maybe it just doesn't appeal to everyone. But I thought, hey, I can do this. I've got the little avatar. I know how to change up all the layers on it. And I started that way. And I. I kept looking for a dev and they're all booked up. And then the quoted prices were like a hundred thousand to four hundred thousand dollars to get one to help me build the contract and launch it. And I just can't do that. So I went to Arnold, who is the founder of VR Land. And a long time ago, on Discord, I met him and started just playing with that world and giving him feedback, you know, from an iPad or iPhone perspective. I'm like, this isn't working for me on this. And so he would go in and he'd change the code and, and I just helped him 
keep building that. So I've known him for a long time. So I went to him and said, Arnold, do you know how to write code and contracts for this? And he's like, yeah, we could do that. And I am of the mindset, you know what, let's just make you a full part of this. Then I don't have money up front to hire you. Do you want to be in this project? He said he would love to be in it. Let's build it. And then I work well with the Graffiti Kings. I love them. They have a huge audience and their excitement they bring to it and the people they know is just so helpful. And so it's just us three in this. That's our team. And I like it small. You know, it's fun. And I asked Arnold uh, last night, how soon do you think we can launch this? And he said, realistically, in three to four weeks. And I wanted um, I wanted some utility with the tokens and I wanted a fun game with it. And so we came up with the scavenger hunt. We're meeting with Superworld after this interview and going to plan that, you know, and do some giveaways and stuff. And I just, I just took that element of fun. I think to me, this is a fun project. It's, I, I see it a little different than a lot of the cash grab one. I don't know. I hope people are uh, enjoy it and want to be part of it. There's a, there's a, there's a wide divergence of opinions in NFT land, right? All the attention, all the all the money is going into the, these collectible projects. Who are artists who who are dropping on the various platforms that they're not really seeing much uh, that's happening in this in this NFT boom. Is this the direction that you think? artists, especially NFT artists, are going to either going to have to move or, or wanting to move that if what the market is saying is that they want collectibles, that artists will essentially have to create collectibles, basically. <laughs> or, or what's what's your opinion on this? They're two entirely different genres of NFTs. You've got the artist, one of ones, and that I would liken to, you know, gallery pieces. It's like comparing the Mona Lisa to baseball cards. They're just not in the same genre, you know. PFP collectibles have their own niche. And I think, you know, a lot of people are like, it's oversaturated. Yeah, maybe it's getting that way. But this is all going to balance out. Everything's going to balance out. Because you have the flood of new ones that are just learning NFTs and trying to flip just like with cryptocurrency, you know, newbies coming in, getting wrecked, you know, and then learning the space, learning the market and stuff. So that's kind of where I see PFPs are going to, but I think having that a lot of utility with them, that's a bonus. That's something people, whether you flip it or not, can take away from it. Whereas owning an artwork, a lot of collectors own it and just keep it. People say, no, they don't. But yeah, I have a lot of collectors that have never sold my work. They just are collecting art because they love the art. And some people, I guess it depends on what they're here for in this space. Are you here to flip art, flip collectibles and, you know, gain a bunch of money and just keep doing that? It is different for everyone, I think, why they come into this space. What are your personal hopes for the space? I guess you said the tone with the Decentraland exhibition. Could you tell us a little bit more about your anticipated projects along those lines? I would like to get some land. I think, you know, and my husband asked me yesterday, well, how much is land? I'm like, it's like real real estate. Like think of the prices you would buy and that's what you're buying. And, you know, but I think these worlds are going to continue to grow and be used in new ways. Anthony Hopkins has just done the first NFT movie, which is insane. You know, you think about the movie industries coming to this, the luxury brands are in it, 
The music industry is on fire with it. I want to hold a concert, you know, for my avatars, the utility exclusive event. We're already planning that. And then I did an interview earlier this week with a Korean company who are going to be documenting the history of NFTs. And they're kind of in that early space that we all were before people, you know, back in trash art days over there. It hasn't really exploded and taken off. And I've just got invited to three more exhibitions in China and one in Korea. And so Asia is going to explode. And I love that. I love being early there. And I'm so excited because it's just going to be huge. I know it is. And so all those things that are coming, I try not to get too bogged down in, you know, narrow-minded on, oh, only do this one thing. No, I want to branch out. I want to build. I noticed that you tweeted about stepping into all of Asia yesterday. Was that a wrap? Was that? So I was just in the stratosphere, the first exhibition in Beijing Mm. for NFTs. And I was in Crypto Tokyo. That's the first exhibition in Japan. And then the first exhibition in Korea, they're hoping to plan for it for the spring would be in the art museum, A-R-T-E museum. And that would be like the district company who does all the screens and the mapping. They did that big, huge wave billboard. They built those screens in that art museum. And it's, it's amazing. It's fantastic. I, I'm hoping so much that I get in that exhibition. It would be phenomenal. And then there's three more exhibitions coming up in China. So, and then I know, I believe it's Singapore does Crypto Asia Week. Yeah. I, yeah. I can't that remember. That was uh, yeah. last month, I think. Just this summer, yeah. 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 So it's just, it's exciting to see it all be, at, you know, in the beginning where you see it all unfolding and to be part of that. And I just love that. I think that's so much fun. Do you think that there will there will be this sort of delineation between people who sort of work in the traditional art space and then there's going to be NFT artists? I think you can succeed in both. I think it's going to take you a lot longer in the physical art and traditional art to succeed than digital because it just the space moves so fast. In the beginning, when I was so excited and I discovered this space, I went back to my oil friends in the forum that I was on quite a bit. And I was just telling them all about it. And you've got to check out NFTs and you can earn crypto and you can sell your art. You know, you can. I was just so, and they, it just was like over their heads. They had no interest at all in it. You know, you say the word crypto and they're just like shut down. And now that Beeple sold and then, you know, you have some of these bigger name artists coming into the space. I'm sure they're learning and they're thinking about it. At least they, I've no doubt heard about it a little more, you know, NFTs. So hopefully they're more open-minded and open to exploring the space. I think all artists should try it. You might find that you absolutely love it. Like I do. doesn't mean you have to give up being that traditional artist or painting physical things or going to the art you know, fairs or galleries, why, why limit yourself? It's been a really great discussion. And I think you've just leaked some alpha that your Lost Avatars is going to drop in around three to four weeks. Yeah. So, so we'll be looking forward okay. to that. Um, and before I let you go, you know, who is your favorite artist and, and which piece from the artist is, is your favorite piece? 
my favorite artist is an oil painter. It's Mark Carter. And why I love him is I learned to paint from watching him and he put all that out there for free. It's called draw mix paint. And he's a big time artist. He painted the United States president twice. And I needed a way to learn without having to go to some major art college. I got accepted years ago when I was like 20, but I, my life was in a different place and I couldn't go to that college. And so the fact that he was just like, anybody could do this. I just look up to that person for putting all of that out there for free and teaching people. And in this space, I love the graffiti Kings. I love Darren's attitude towards the whole thing. And he doesn't get involved in drama. He is very much about teaching people, doing workshops and inspiring others. And that that's the type of person I want to be in this space. You know, so those type of people I really admire and look up to who are ahead of their game and just give it out freely to others and inspire them and want them to succeed. Thank you very much for joining us uh, on this episode of Boys Rising. Thank you, you know. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Floyd's Rising. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe, follow, and give us a review on your favorite podcast app. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Floor is Rising. If you want to reach out to us, just send us a DM. 